0: Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from our guest speaker. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or our website for ways to give. Good morning. morning. Fantastic. Firstly, thank you so much, Nathan and the leadership team for the opportunity to uh, worship Jesus with you this morning. I was talking to Nathan as I was coming in, about being at the, uh, the, uh, the school and having the videos for the vision, the church we see, and coming onto site and seeing all that God's done is incredible. It's a testament to God's faithfulness. But beyond buildings and beautiful parking lots and basketball hoops at the back and all the stuff that's happening, the thing that has remained constant in this community are the words on the wall, a Jesus-centered church. And we give glory to God for that. i also like to thank Kelvin and Shelley for their grace and hospitality and the relationship we've had with them for so many years. God has worked tremendous miracles through their lives. Special thank you goes to Jim and Chris Lago for hosting us as a family this week. We've been catered for, we've been well taken care of, we've been loved. We've got two little children, a girl called Anashe, she's four, and a little boy called Una, he's two. Quick story, when I met Anthea, my wife, she told me I was not marriage material, we have two kids now, so I wonder who won that one day. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you speak through your word. We commit this time into your hands. Amen. Before we, 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 we read the scripture for this morning, by the year 2050, it's estimated that global population would tether at about 9 billion. Of that 9 billion, it's expected that 2 billion will be Christian. Of those predictions, it is said that 1.1 billion are coming from continental Africa. That's like transplanting all of China and putting it on the continent. Ha! (laughs) There are implications for mission, for what God's doing with the church in the future. At one point, it was said that the African church was growing at 23,000 people a day. That is a work of God. Yes. The pastor's book that comes into the equation to help equip leaders as they try and steward faithfully what God has been doing on the continent, offering resources, training, supporting, praying for leaders as they explore what God's doing in their continent. At, at that rate, there, is, there are implications for mission. Where I'm coming from in the United Kingdom, where I live now, In the city of London, it is said 14% of Londoners go to church. Of that 14%, uh, 14%, 60% are from African backgrounds. The largest church in London now is African. Hello. Something is happening on the continent. I'm not saying that Africa is the hope of the future. There is a mutual journey that we have to have the African continent the people in England, and here in the United States. God's moving people from different places and doing things all over the world. So please keep praying for Africa. Please do support the work of the pastor's book set. There are global implications for that ministry. As well as the work in Haiti, definitely, let's pray that God would continue to work through the team there. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, actually verse 14 to 21 in Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is going to begin praying for the community. It's, he goes in verse 1 and says, for this reason, and it's as though he has an ADHD moment. He's like, oh, by the way, did I tell you? The Africans are included. The Americans are included. The Europeans are included. The Asians are included. Oh, by the way, I was praying. And then he goes, continues to pray in verse 14. It says the following. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the full measure of all God, all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. A story is told of a Roman emperor who, after a successful military campaign, returns to Rome. His military men process through the city, great crowds cheering their conquering emperor, as it were. While passing on one of the crowded streets, a little girl, filled with joy, runs towards the chariot. A member of the emperor's security detachment team says, Stop! Make way for the emperor! The girl replies, He may be your emperor, but he's my father. In a moment, she was not only in the chariot, but also in our Father's arms. You see, a key bit of information had been revealed that changed everything. And so the question we're asking this morning, what does Ephesians 3, what does Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 reveal about God's heart? In our passage this morning, the Apostle Paul doesn't pray regarding the challenges people are facing in in Ephesus. If he was living in our day, it would seem rather insensitive, wouldn't it? If he didn't mention, you know, economic turmoil and the cost of living crisis that's happening all around the world. Perhaps the ongoing pandemic and its possible resurgence. Perhaps issues with climate change, the threat of a global nuclear war. Perhaps issues with gross human rights violations. And you can think of all the sorts of things that are happening, perhaps issues in our fractured politics. The list is endless. Now, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with praying about the challenges we face. However, our view of God will have a profound effect on how we pray and what we pray for. The knowledge of the God to whom Paul prays affects his own prayers. And because they do that, they should affect how we pray as a community in the coming season. Paul's prayer reveals more to us than meets the eye at first glance. More than a beautifully written prayer, more than a well-crafted poetic piece, more than a polemic discourse, more than a pious display of eloquence or elocution, more than a cerebral, cranial, brainy display of his intellect sharpened under Galileo's tutelage. I would argue this morning, dear friends, his prayer reveals something about God's heart for you and I. God's priority in his cosmic working in the world today. Just as there was more to the little girl in the way of the Roman chariot, there is more to this prayer in our passage, as we'll discover in a moment, than meets the eye. So again, I ask, what does Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 reveal about God's heart? Keep coming, Holy Spirit. Number one, it reveals that you and I can have God as a tenant. Verse 17. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul's prayer here is for their inner being, not the existential threats and challenges that they are facing. Paul's prayer here is that Christ would dwell, or one could say settle down, become a permanent resident as it were. D.A. Carson says it like this, it's like a couple that saves enough money to put together a down payment for a house. They buy the house. They know that it needs a lot of work. The wallpaper needs to come off. The carpet is disgusting. The garage is full of junk from the previous owner. The kitchen is in a terrible state. The roof leaks. The insulation barely meets the minimum standard. The electrical service is faulty. The boiler is about to die. And a lot of the appliances in that house are olive green. Other than that, it's a really nice house. I'm sorry, Nathan, for saying that. Any emails that go to you, please forward them my way. I apologize about olive green appliances. Before the couple comes in, they rip up the carpet and they clean it. Over the years, they tackle repairs, they remodel it, they fix the kitchen, they fix the leaks, they buy a new boiler. They redecorate and even add an extension at the back of the house. They landscape the property around the house. After living there for about 25 years, one day, the wife says, you know what? I really like it here. (laughs) This place suits us. It's made for us. It feels like home. Dear friends, this is exactly what Paul is praying for. When Christ takes residence in our hearts, it's like he finds piles of junk, dated wallpaper, olive green appliances, and a leaking roof. He finds our addiction to strong drugs, our pride, our constant gossip and slander, our unforgiveness, our anger issues, our lack of integrity, our darker scenes, our battle with infidelity and immorality, our self-seeking ways that don't honor a holy and righteous God. He doesn't say, no, too dirty, I can't go there. No, he doesn't say it's too filthy for me. It's disgusting, you're a lost cause, I can't leave there. I won't move in, I want my deposit back. No, he pays the rent in full. He takes on a lifetime lease and moves in, even though it's not appropriate for him. He moves in regardless. He moves into our inner beings, and as he does so, he begins repairing and expanding our lives. Over time, our inner being begins to reflect the reality of the person who lives on the inside of us. Our inner beings become the dwelling place that reflects his character. He begins to change us day by day by his spirited work within us. Suddenly there's less of a foul mouth, less gossip and slander. The addiction, it's not, it's not where it was before. Something is changing, one room at a time, day by day, moment by moment. I don't know about you, but that's my lived experience. It's been one day at a time. Hello? Are you here you've gone home? <laughs> day by day, Paul prays that Christ will dwell in their hearts through faith. You see, the new tenant won't ask you to do advanced work in a, before they move in. He says, no, leave it as it is. He decides to move in, and he does the work. The problem we've had for a long time is you need to get your life right before you come to Jesus. No, nah, what book have you read? What Bible have you looked at? We come as we are. His spirit comes and lives within us. And day by day, he begins to change us. He begins to transform us. We become something else because of the tenant who lives in in us. Paul prays this morning, dear friends, let the tenant in. The tendency is as well, sometimes we say, yes, Lord, come into my life and be the Lord of my life. It's okay, you can have the the bedroom upstairs, you can have the, um, what you call it, the basement, you can have the kitchen, but the TV room is mine. Don't touch that one. Don't touch my internet use. Yes, you can deal with my generosity, I give big to Providence, that's fine. You can be tenant, Lord of my life, but this area is mine. Hello? I should stop shouting, Nathan. (laughs) That keeps shouting. He wants to be Lord of the house. He won't say, I'm kicking down the door and I'm moving in. He'll gently ask you, can I come in? Nah, that's my room, Lord, that's fine. You can work on other areas of my life. This one is mine. But he's a very patient tenant. He'll take his time. Day by day, moment by moment, he'll fix the kitchen, he'll change the toilet, and even when you mess it up, he'll come back and repair the toilet again when you drop a big one there. Hello. Paul prays that Christ will do a work of transformation. It's not you and I. Ours is simply to have faith in his dwelling in our hearts. You see, the Bible in the, in the Bible, the heart is not only a place of emotion. It's the center of our inner lives, the locus point of our thinking, of our will and our feeling. Paul prays that Christ would take center stage, that Jesus would be the gravitational center of our lives, that Jesus would dwell in our hearts. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come and make our abode with him. We will come and live with him. The Bible says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He comes to abide and do a work of transformation. Day by day, moment by moment, as we journey with Jesus. So number one, it reveals that you and I can have God as a tenant. Verse 17. But number two, it reveals that you and I are deeply loved. Verses 17 to 19. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Dear friends, this is mind-boggling. Paul is praying that the Ephesians would know a God-sized kind of love With descriptive brilliance, Paul is saying that all of creation cannot contain this love. This love that is so wide, so long, so high, and so deep, nothing in all of existence can contain it. Nothing in the created order can restrain it. He prays that they would know this love without borders. There are no barriers or or boundaries to this love in the created order. If Christ's love was measurable, its height would exceed the very heavens. Its depth would penetrate the seas, Its breadth would span the universe. Its length would be unending. And as if that's not enough, Pope takes it a step further. He says that this love is so infinite, so great, so vast, so cosmic, it surpasses knowledge. In other words, it can't be quantified by our minds. Our gray matter working on overdrive can't grasp but a glimpse of this love. If we possessed Elon Musk's cranial genius, even then our ability to comprehend the full magnitude of God's love would be but minute. His love is so vast that if the multiverse existed and there were other dimensions of existence, even there it would find you. Ha! Come on now. We were, I was a student at the theological college where Calvin did a lot of work in Namibia called uh, the Namibia Evangelical Theological Seminary. One of my lecturers, Eric Van Zell, tells of this story. One time, Eric is on his on a mission trip to the northern part of Namibia. There's a tribe called the Himba tribe. They are a nomadic people group. This lady has an experience of God. The Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks to her and says to her, you need to travel to that location and meet a man that I am sending your way. She begins to walk for two days. These are tribal communities live in a very traditional way. She doesn't know it's the Holy Spirit, but she's just following this gut feeling, this voice that says, go. She walks for two days to get to this particular location. When she arrives, there's no one. Like, what is this? Am I losing it? She goes back, and halfway on her way back, the voice says, go back. As she returns, she gets to meet Eric, who then shares the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God will find you. He will do whatever it takes for you to encounter the living reality of God's love. The Bible says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Dear friends, while we're at this point, please don't give up on your loved ones. Don't stop praying for them. Hello. God will orchestrate things that will cause them to meet this living Jesus that you worship every Sunday here. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? In the digital age of the metaverse, in the far reaches of cyberspace, at its deepest, darkest corner, the love of God will find you. I studied with a guy in, in England who used to play lots of computer games when we were at theological college. He loved computer games. We were like, He's not serious with Jesus. What's he doing playing computer games all day? <laughs> God has used him to Reach out to gamers. Each time you keep sending recommendations, oh, we're looking for a church in this part of England. I've met this person online. God will do whatever it takes to reach you. Yes, your child's playing lots of video games. Play that the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Would use the relationships they're building online to meet the love of God. The love of Christ gives no regard to state or stature. It has been known to break into prison cells, reaching the hardened criminal on one end, and yet revealing itself in royal palaces and courts. The recently passed Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II knew this love very well. With age and frailty drawing near, she said the following, I have been and remain very grateful to you for your prayers and to God for his steadfast love. It has been known to invade both the crack house and the corridors of political power, wing both to the lordship of Christ. You see, the love of Christ is wide enough to encompass all humanity, long enough to last for all eternity. There is no barrier to God's love in Christ when it comes to us. You see, He is the hound of heaven who pursues to the uttermost. Paul prays that they would know the boundless love of Christ. Last year, I had just moved into our new area, where we're living in England, um, and I had difficulties in finding a barber. Yeah. Are you laughing at me? You don't like my haircut? <laughs> difficulties in finding a barber. And so I traveled 40 minutes to a town called Lowestoft. While I'm in this barber shop in Lowestoft, this guy, the British guy, you know, big, muscular guy keeps walking in and out. He parks his huge Mercedes, uh, his BMW outside the door. And I'm like, what's up with this guy? He keeps coming in and out. And he begins to talk to me. And he begins to ask, what do you do? I said, ah, my job is to share God's love. Right? In the next moment, the Holy Spirit steps into the conversation. Suddenly, this guy is on his knees and he's weeping. The barber closes the door and this guy gives his life to Christ. I was feeling frustrated on that day. I didn't want to travel 40 minutes for a haircut. But the love of God will find you. Hello. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. God will make a way for your loved one. In that bad relationship, you know that's not right for them. Lord, meet them. In that addiction, meet them, Lord. Visit them. Let them experience you, the reality of your risen Christ. Send someone. Send someone who doesn't want to travel 40 minutes that day. Not feeling spiritual. I didn't particularly spend too much time in prayer. But God met them. Send a flyer. Send a program on TV. Send someone, Lord. The love of God will find you. Paul prays that they would know this love that surpasses knowledge whose length, height, breadth, and depth is incomprehensible. In other words, he prays that they would know God's love experientially. You see, God's love is not merely analyzed and understood with our brain, with our head, as it were. God's love is to be received, is to be absorbed, it's to be felt. Philip kept talking about the love of God this morning, and I thought you were on it. Charles Hodges puts it this way, Here again, we begin to choose between a mere philosophical speculation and the clear testimony of the Bible and of our own moral religious nature. Love of necessity involves feeling. And if there be no feeling in God, there can be no love. We must adhere to the truth of scripture in its purest form or we lose it altogether. We must believe that God is love In the sense that he comes to every human heart with that nature. The scriptures do not mock us when they say in Psalm 103 verse 13. Just as a father has compassion or love for his children. So the Lord has compassion and love for those that fear him. You see God's love is not cold and emotionless and compassionless. He actually feels. Sometimes we hear it so much and we leave it in the cranial dimension. No, he genuinely feels for you. And for someone this morning, that's it. God loves you. I was preaching on the love of God some a few weeks back. And this person said after preaching, um, I tried so hard to get God to love me. He doesn't need to try. He is unconditionally, irrevocably, immutably loved. If you've been trying too hard, please stop. You are loved as you are. Dear friends, there is a difference between grasping and understanding the love of God and knowing the love of God. You can, show, you can be shown the ingredients of how to bake a cake. You can follow the recipe and put the ingredients together in the right order. You can put them in an oven at the right temperature, leave it to bake for a certain amount of time and it comes out, comes out a perfectly prepared cake. You can be taught to understand the principle of cake making, but to fully know what a cake is, you need to eat a slice. You need to experience the taste and the texture. This is in fact what Paul is praying for, that we will understand and grasp the height, the width, the length, and the depth of God's love. Not just intellectually, but through experience. I traveled to Zimbabwe uh, possibly three to four weeks back now. My timelines are a bit blurry. I um, received a message from my young brother in the nation of Zimbabwe. It was a voice note on WhatsApp. He uh, had felt life had sort of taken it out of him. He was committing suicide. In this voice note, he says that my time is up. And he begins to say his goodbyes. He was, he was in, a, in a park somewhere. He was, he was later found in a park uh, the next morning, but he's alive. But what he said in the message was, I, I, don't, I don't think blessing is pleased with me. I, I don't know whether he hates me or not. Anthea can verify that. What he needed in that moment was not me sending a text message saying, yo, dude, I love you, you know, he needed me getting up on a plane, you know, booking a flight, flying to Qatar, Doha, down into South Africa and up into Zimbabwe. The moment I opened the door, the, the weight lifted off him and said, thank you for coming. He needed to experience the love of God practically, tangibly. It wasn't enough just to say it. He had to see it demonstrated practically. As we look to Jesus and the cross, we meet that love. Number three, if you're writing notes, it reveals that you and I can know God's love by his spirit. Verse 16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. You see, dear friends, it is the work of the spirit that brings to life the reality of God's indwelling presence, number one, as a tenant, but number two, his infinite love for us. This is God who does it. It is the work of the spirit that allows us to look at the cross and see a king and not a criminal. It's the work of the Spirit that allows us to notice that his body language on the cross says dying to meet you. It's the work of the Spirit that strengthens us on our Christian journey by continually awakening us to the reality of God's indwelling presence and love for us. God by his Spirit can make the love of God real to us. Most of our human experience of love is fractured and tainted by sin. We know the pain of broken and unrequited love. It can view our view, it can mar our view of God because of pain and the human experience, broken relationships, broken marriages, uh, an absent dad or a dad that didn't know how to love us like we would have loved or, or we, we think was best. When we look at God and his love, we can put him in that framework, in that type of uh, thinking as it were. But God's love in its purest form breaks those barriers. The Holy Spirit awakens us to the fact that actually we are loved. Yes, my dad failed, but you are still loved. Yes, my husband or my partner didn't love me the way I, I needed to, but you are still loved. The Holy Spirit brings us to a place where we meet love in its purest form, not in an airy-fairy emotional kind of way, but in a, in a way that his love um, uh, carries us into eternity. I was sharing in the pastor's book set yesterday. I... Um, After finishing a pastor's book session a few years ago with Calvin, we went to meet a lady. Her name is Miss Paula. Her son allowed me to share this testimony. We walked into her house. She was dying. The cancer had taken its toll. Um, Hospice had been called in. I remember looking into her eyes and seeing her more alive than most people I know. I didn't understand what was going on, and so I asked her, and she said to me, Blessing, soon. I get to be with Jesus. But Jesus that she had knew in part, she will know, God's love that she had known in part, she will know quadrupled in the next moment. The love of God will carry us into eternity. Hello. When we sing, how deep the Father's love for us. Oh, sorry, Philip. I know you don't like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're <laughs> like, oh, how dare I sing in this church, man. <laughs> like... oh, yeah. Philip, you want to come sing for us as we close? Sometimes you and I don't feel God's love either. We can only feel a sting of insult, the aches of loneliness, the pain of unhealed wounds. We feel rejection from relationships or lack of them. We feel the isolation that comes from from longing for something more. But those are the times that we need to rely on the facts rather than our feelings. To know God is a God who says who he is. To know that God is a God who is who he says he is. I have a friend, after having spoken about feeling God's love like this, cannot experience God's love. They know all the facts Intellectually but their lived experience there is just a barrier to them in experiencing the reality of God's love. And for them, I say the following. The facts are this. God loved us so much so that he sent his son to die in our place, 1 John 4:10. Number two, there is no way we can go where God's presence is not with us. Number three, Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Jeremiah 31.3 tells us that he has always loved us and will always love love us even on days when we do not feel it so they hold on to that fact but last and, and most importantly we are going to keep praying that this experiential reality of God's love is something that we walk into. Matthew tells us that we can ask him and we want to do that this morning Lord for those that don't know your love could we experience it? Hello Would our loved ones experience it? Would they meet someone who comes with a message from the Father of God's love? Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.